O wisdom pouring forth from the mouth of the Most High, reaching from one end of eternity to the other, mightily and sweetly ordering all things, come and teach us the way of love and life. Amen. So, here we have another of Jesus' parables, the so-called Parable of the Workers. You'll probably find this title in any of your Bibles if they have a sort of section heading. You'll see it in all sorts of places. I generally don't like these sort of section headings because sometimes they make us think things about a text that they maybe aren't even about. This is one of those parables where Jesus is attempting to describe to his listeners what the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of God, if we're talking about Luke's gospel. So the idea that this parable is primarily about the workers, I think, is a bit of a step in the wrong direction. Sometimes the Bible is really hard to interpret. It's really confusing and complicated. And sometimes it's relatively straightforward, at least to start with. And this one, I think, is actually fairly straightforward. Jesus actually lays it out fairly simply for us. And it's right in the first line. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. Not the workers. The workers are secondary. They're part of the story. But, we want, but Jesus wants us to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. And they are like, and the kingdom is like this landowner. And this landowner goes out and hires some workers. A normal thing to do in this time. The landowner offers them the standard daily payment for a day laborer of one denarius. Then, a few hours later, the landowner goes back a bit later and gets a few more workers. These workers are promised whatever is right, and the workers, trusting the landowner's integrity, go and work. Why the landowner continuously goes out looking for workers is a bit of a puzzle, but it's not one that I'm going to get hung up on. I don't think it's central to the text. I think it's more of a narrative device to talk about the main point, which I'll get to in a moment. Finally, the landowner goes out one time, one more time, an hour before the end of the day, to get a few more workers. And here is where things get interesting. Here is the point of the parable, so to speak. Each, the landowner pays each worker. However, the landowner starts with the last set of workers, those that only worked for one hour. And they are paid one denarius, a full day's wage. The other workers grumble. This is unjust. You can hear them. What? We work all day? And these lazy bums that only worked an hour get the same wage as us? That's ridiculous. I'm tired, I'm sticky, I'm hot. Sidebar, I've worked in the vineyard before. Working all day in the vineyard is hot and tiring. I sympathize with these people. If somebody came in an hour before the end of the day, oh man, I would be similar to these workers. But the landowner doesn't rebuke them harshly. He speaks kindly to them. He says, friend, I paid you the agreed-upon wage. The landowner reminds them that he's paying them exactly what he owes them. Nothing more, nothing less. And they were happy to work for this wage. 
but now they feel that there is some injustice. The letter continues. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious that I am generous? The first shall be last, the last shall be first. As I mentioned, I think it's quite easy to sympathize with the workers. And there's been a lot of interpretations about who these workers are and what they represent. One interpretation suggests that the early workers, the first workers, are the Jews, and the second workers are the Gentiles. But I don't really like that. I think it's fairly racist. Because then you have the grumbling Jews and the grateful Gentiles, and you have this unfortunate situation where Jesus is the only racist. I don't think that's it. Another interpreter suggests that this text is saying that all work is equal, and that all people are equal under God. And while I think that is a decent aspect of it, I think it goes a bit deeper than that. No, I think the workers are just us. I think it rests in why we sympathize with the day workers, or why it's easy to. They put in more effort, and so they should be paid more. This makes sense, right? If I work eight hours, I should be paid more than someone who works for one hour. This is logical. But this parable says, no. It flies in the face of that. Why? Because in the kingdom of God, the principles of ability and merit are set aside. And this is because we are very, very bad judges of what counts as meritous or worthy of claim. Let me explain. One need only look at the difference in how we pay particular people to see this. A doctor. Now, I know that I'm speaking to a lot of doctors and lawyers here, so bear with me. A doctor is somebody who helps to keep us healthy and is paid very well, as they should be. Somebody, however, who works at a fast food restaurant is not. However, you may find it interesting to note that this particular distinction is not actually true across the globe. In Sweden, a <clears throat> A McDonald's manager is actually paid fairly well. One could actually support an entire family on a manager's wage. In Canada, you could not do that. In Russia, healthcare workers are paid slightly more than minimum wage. Same amount of training, much, much lower wage. Why? As I said, we're really bad as humans at judging merit and ability. To the point that, on average, we pay our women significantly less than our men for the same job. We see a woman doing a construction job, she does just as good a job as a man, and we say, ah yes, less for you. In fact, a statistic my wife shared with me last night was that in the 1300s, women were paid roughly 75% of what a man would, sorry, 71% of what a man is paid. Today, we're at 75. So, up 4% in 700 years. Good job. <laughs> to put a further point on it, athletes are paid incredibly well in the West, with the average NHL player making three and a half million dollars per year on average. No, I like hockey. It's a good game. But that seems a bit excessive. While those that prepare our food and sell our groceries 
those things we need to live, they make about 35,000 a year. What counts as useful or good work is highly contextual and dependent on the whims of society. This parable is surprising and even frustrating for us because it completely undermines what we think holds value. We think our efforts hold value, what we do. We think our skill and ability hold value. I return to the question, why our merit and ability lay aside? It is that grace may win out. God gives as God gives. This is not to say that God is unfair to those who have marketable skills, those who are doctors, lawyers. The, work, the early workers are paid well. Let's not forget that they are paid exactly what they should be paid. They are paid correctly. They are simply not rewarded above their station. The doctor, CEO, lawyer, who are faithful to God, will be rewarded for their faith in the kingdom, certainly. Absolutely. But those who never contributed to society, those who did not possess marketable skills, are also welcomed into the kingdom. I remember walking in downtown Halifax, where I used to go to school, and I was going this way, and a man and his child were walking the other way, and we were crossing uh, in front of a person who was experiencing homelessness. And I remember this extremely clearly. The child asked their father, Daddy, why is that man sitting there with a cup? His response was, Well, he's too lazy to get a real job, so he tries to take other people's money. In our society, those who work hard should be rewarded, and those who don't are treated as obviously lazy and worthless. This is a terrible thing to suggest. Does God only love those who contribute to society? Or could it be that our economic output is not a direct correlation to our relationship with God? In the kingdom of God, it isn't work that is rewarded. No, God does not love us for our efforts, but because, fundamentally, we are God's image bearers. And he loves us as, our own, as his own children. Our duties, our efforts, our merits will not have been for nothing if they were done to the glory of God, but we will not be rewarded with money and possessions, for they will have turned to dust in the kingdom. No, when the kingdom enters earth fully, when heaven finally greets earth in all of its magnificence, we will enter through its gates as they descend, and we will find instead that we are greeted by grace, God's infinite grace all the way down and all around, surrounding each one of us, regardless of economic output. The low will be brought up, the high will be brought down, and we will all bask in the infinite glory of our Creator. Thanks be to God.